Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it is a very busy Wednesday morning, as you can imagine. Hurricane Adalia making landfall in Florida this morning in the last hour. Category 3, so pretty dangerous stuff, and we'll have the latest in the news. Please keep all those folks in your prayers as we follow the story for you here on Catholic Connection, Catholic News Agency, all of our other outlets as well, and programs that will keep you up to date, but be careful out there if you're in the affected areas. And it's not only affecting Florida, but it's also going to be affecting South Carolina and Georgia as well. We'll have the latest coming up in just a few minutes. On the program today, speaking of the weather, with all of the disasters and issues that have been rising up this past summer and the last several months, There's a lot of talk about all of this being the result of climate change. So climate change activists are raising a lot of concerns and claiming that it's all due to, again, the problem of climate change. Well, I'm not sure how many people know that more than 1,600 scientists around the world signed a major declaration saying, no, we do not have a climate emergency. So we're going to take a look at this. And we're going to be talking to Steve Malloy. He is one of those who signed that declaration. And, of course, you know that the Pope is getting ready to release another uh, addition to his encyclical on the environment, Laudate Si, coming out now, we heard, on October 4th, the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi, which is highly appropriate. So there's a lot of uh, information going out there about what is this, what's going on, is this an issue, should we be concerned, how much evidence is there? And it's super important because the Catholic Church has a lot to say about this as well. But we're just going to talk about starting with, and we'll be continuing this discussion because we haven't seen the uh, latest from the Holy Father yet that comes out again in October. And Joan will mention that a little bit later on in the program. She joins us at 39 minutes past. But let's make sure we're getting both sides of this story. That often doesn't happen. And so that's why I thought it was very interesting that 1,600 scientists around the world are raising concerns about the propaganda, the emotion, the politics that they believe is behind a so-called climate emergency that we're seeing in the headlines right now. So we'll talk about that at 15 minutes past the hour. And then we will be discussing uh, what's happening with the Pope, his audience today. And he's been receiving a lot of criticism for statements he made to students from Russia. And he had to walk back those statements, and we'll talk about that. We also have a story on that in the news. Okay, so speaking of the weather and the problems with the hurricane, Hurricane Adalia gained strength and made landfall. Okay, now the problem in Florida is the storm surges that are happening. They have hurricane force winds, excessive rainfall that's causing flash flooding, and some tornadoes could be spawned, and this is going to be going on all day today. And it's moved, it's moved on shore, I think about 8 o'clock, 8.10, and actually made landfall. But we're following the developments, and we'll keep you updated. But again, it's right over the state of Florida right now, over the land, and it's going to be up, if you look at the map, going to be going toward uh, other parts of the southeast. So take care and listen to what the officials are saying in terms of your safety and the safety of others or folks you may know in that area. That is our rundown this morning, three minutes past the hour. Do hope you're having a good day so far on this Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. 
a ton of news to get through, as you can imagine, starting with the hurricane. So let's begin right now on a Wednesday morning. Well, as we just mentioned, Hurricane Adalia making landfall in Florida. It's a Category 3 storm that came ashore in the last hour near Keaton Beach with sustained winds of 125 miles an hour. Governor Ron DeSantis is warning residents to stay inside until that storm passes, and then help will definitely be on the way. And on the back end, you know, there's going to be people there to restore power, any rescue efforts that need to be done, all that stuff. Uh, will be taken care of, but just make sure you're doing what you need to do to protect yourself and your family. And he says as soon as those winds die down, he will deploy search and rescue and power restoration efforts. If you're in a shelter in terms of returning to your your property to inspect, that's going to be something that that your local officials will tell you when the all all clear is on that. And, And the reason is just some of these roads may not be passable. DeSantis says it's important to remember that many fatalities occur after the storm from, for example, electrocutions, drownings, and other accidents. That means folks, he says, should be very careful not to walk through puddles that could be electrified by downed power lines, don't drive through flooded areas, and especially those with downed trees, and always use care when operating different types of equipment. Meanwhile, FEMA is ready for the hurricane as the storm now has moved onto the land this morning. The president quickly approved an emergency declaration in advance of the storm in Florida, turning on the many tools that are available at my disposal to provide the governor any support or resources he may need. That's a FEMA administrator, Deanne Criswell, who says personnel and resources being deployed to Florida as well as Georgia and South Carolina. Again, she's warning residents to take the advice of the governor and take the storms very seriously as she expects it to cause major, major problems, saying high winds could bring up to anywhere between 12 to 16 feet of storm surge in some areas along the western coast of Florida. The Red Cross ready to help with Hurricane Idalia. The Red Cross spokesman Jonathan McNamara says the Red Cross has been on the ground actually preparing for the storm. So that's making sure we have the physical resources, the volunteers, and the materials to be able to establish emergency shelters, serve meals, provide disaster mental health care support, and be there for communities that will need us not only over the days to come, but the weeks and months to come as they start a recovery process. On the East Coast, in the northern parts, a storm of another name causing problems. Lifeguards are on high alert along the Jersey Shore due to dangerous surf and riptides. Beach Haven lifeguard Mike Kohler said energy or uh, said energy from Hurricane Franklin, which is far out in the Atlantic still, is causing some dangerous conditions. We have some really challenging conditions out there. It's very easy to lose your, your footing and be swept out into a dangerous situation. And he says people should not go deeper than their knees and adds never swim when lifeguards aren't on duty. In addition, he says there are fewer eyes watching because many of those lifeguards have already gone back to college. The search for human remains in Lahaina is now 99% complete. The waters and coastline, though, still need to be fully searched. Divers from the Maui Fire Department, Navy, and Coast Guard are searching the waters off of Lahaina, including dozens of sunken boats. The death toll remains at 115, exactly three weeks after the fire, but hundreds are still considered missing. All of the students, meanwhile, of a Catholic school in Lahaina are alive and accounted for three weeks after the fire. Sacred Heart School burned down. In the August 8th fire, the mission church there is now temporarily serving as a school campus. About half of the students returned on Monday. The others moved away from West Maui after they were displaced by the fires. After a drama-filled trial, five pro-life advocates found guilty of violating a decade-old federal law. 
that has been used to prevent pro-lifers from exercising their right to free speech. Catholic Vote reporting. The five defendants, Lauren Handy, William Goodman, John Hinshaw, Heather Idani, and Herb Gerardy, were each found guilty for conspiracy against a right to reproductive health services and for violating the 1994 Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrance Act. Lila Rose, who's president of Live Action, called the trial an entire sham. She says it had a biased pro-abortion judge who made a mockery of the justice system and a decision that was handed down will be appealed. Five other defendants, meanwhile, facing similar charges in an upcoming September 6th trial, all 10 charged with crimes related to their actions in October of last year. After the leader of the Ukrainian Greek Orthodox Church expressed great pain and concern, as Catholic News Agency reports at Pope Francis's recent video message to young Russian Catholics, the Vatican is now saying the Pope did not intend to exalt Russian imperialism. Vatican spokesman Matteo Bruni saying yesterday the Pope intended to encourage young people to preserve and promote what is positive in Russia's great cultural and spiritual heritage and certainly not to glorify imperialistic logic. The statement came in response to concerns from the major archbishop there of the Ukrainian Greek Orthodox Catholic Church over the Pope's words referring to the great Russia of Peter I, Catherine II, that great and enlightened Russia, he said, Russian Empire, of much culture and much humanity. Michael Kastner tells us in South Carolina, the Supreme Court there will not reconsider a recent decision upholding the state's fetal heartbeat law. Last week, the high court upheld a measure that bans abortion after a fetal heartbeat is detected. On Tuesday, the state justices rejected a request by Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers to reconsider the ruling. South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson says he's pleased with the court's decision not to rehear the case. Planned Parenthood said it will continue to fight to restore abortion access for all South Carolinians. A Gold Star father condemning President Biden's handling of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Closing Bagram was the sole responsibility of Joe Biden. It was also the lead domino which led to the demise of all of Afghanistan. Mark Schmitz's son, Lance Corporal Jared Schmidt, was killed along with 12 other service members in a suicide bombing at the Kabul airport. During a roundtable that included House Foreign Affairs Committee Chair Michael McCall, Schmitz accused Biden of ignoring key intelligence warnings that the Afghan government would quickly collapse. He called Biden a disgrace to the nation and said no one has been held accountable. What happened to our, to our fallen 13, the fall of Kabul, and for the truth to be told about those who failed to perform their duties sh- should be identified and should be held appropriately accountable. In New York City, Mayor Eric Adams not happy with the federal government. They sent a letter to him saying the Big Apple can do better with the migrant crisis. Adams says a letter offered absolutely no solutions on addressing what he says is a federal problem. I am just really baffled around that um, very smart people believe that this is sustainable for New York City to continue to get 10,000 people in the city a month. The letter from Homeland Security criticizing structural and operational issues of the city's migrant program following an assessment of that program. It listed other sites in the state that the feds would consider approving for shelters. Adams says he'll look at those sites but adds opening more temporary temporary shelters is not the answer. David Bloom was once given the nickname the Wall Street Whiz Kid. Now he's accused of scamming people in Los Angeles County. A district attorney says he's a career criminal. He's been preying on victims, vulnerable people all of his life, and he came to L.A. to do the same thing here. 
On Tuesday, the 59-year-old was charged with nine felony counts of securities fraud and nine counts of grand theft. Prosecutors say he scammed nine L.A. County residents out of also almost, wow, a quarter of a million dollars. He allegedly promised to make people rich by selling them stocks he didn't actually own. He was previously convicted of fraud and served prison time after committing similar crimes in New York in the 80s and the 90s. Some scary moments on a Delta airline flight. Delta says nearly a dozen people had to be hospitalized after a turbulent flight from Italy to Georgia. Over 150 people on board the flight that landed last night in Atlanta with severe weather hitting the area just as that plane was touching down. 11 people, including crew members, were hurt by that turbulence. Stargazers may get to see a rare full super blue moon tonight, the second of two August supermoons. This one will be the closest full moon to the Earth's surface at just over 222,000 miles away. The moon should rise just before 8 p.m. Eastern with the blue moon at its brightest around 9.30. And finally, in our new segment at just about 13 minutes past the hour on a busy Wednesday morning, a woman has been leaving, get this, $2,000 tips for waitstaff at the Dal Rock Diner in Rowlett, Texas. That's in the Dallas area. So far, three servers have received the generous tips, and they're not sure why. They refer to her as the angel tipper, and so far they have not caught her name. The restaurant doesn't have pool tips, so each fortunate server gets the entire $2,000. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at an interesting story. Some 600 scientists around the world signing a declaration, raising awareness about the polarization of climate change. 1,600 scientists worldwide signing a declaration stating there's no climate emergency. We'll take a look at this up next on Catholic Connection on a Wednesday. Yesterday we had um, Dr. Meg Meeker on from Meg Meeker Parenting and we were talking about how so many countries over in Europe that are considered extremely progressive are reeling, pulling back on so-called surgeries, you know, the mutilation surgeries, they call them transition surgeries and the dangerous puberty blockers and how they've been pressuring kids to go through with these so-called transitions and now they're, guess what? Uh, actually going to do what they're supposed to be doing, really sitting down with these kids and getting to the bottom of the situation. Is it truly gender dysphoria? Is there Are there other issues they're facing? And so now they're starting to look at the real science when it comes to this ideology. Are we willing to do this in other areas? Well, so far, we talked yesterday with Dr. May Meeker were regarding the transgender ideology that has not happened in the United States. As a matter of fact, we're going full speed ahead with just pushing all kinds of dangerous things, especially where young people are concerned in this ideology. And there's been a lot of, I would say, there's an analogy with what's going on with climate change. When we look at all the situations we've had around the world in the United States with wacky weather and some very serious situations, deadly situations, you have a lot of climate change activists saying that uh, we have to be very concerned about this. But just recently, and this is a story that's been covered on various Catholic and other conservative sites, you had 1,600 plus scientists from around the world signing a declaration stating that there is no climate emergency. Among them, our guest this morning, Steve Malloy. And Steve is a senior fellow with the Energy and Environmental Legal Institute. You can also find him on his website at junkscience.com. So Steve, tell us first of all about this declaration. Thanks for joining us and why you signed it. 
Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Teresa. So uh, the, the um, letter is from the uh, Climate Intelligence Foundation. It's an uh, organization in Europe. And the letter was signed by 1,600 um, climate experts. And the letter basically just says there's no climate crisis and that we don't need to dismantle, uh, we don't need to stop using fossil fuels. Uh, we don't even need to cut back on fossil fuels. We don't need to destroy our standard of living. We don't need to give up our liberties. Uh, to improve the weather. Um, you know, emissions, in our view, have nothing to do with uh, weather or climate or uh, <clears throat> really anything. They just, you know, have been improving our standard of living now for uh, almost 200 years. So uh, there, there's no climate crisis, and, you know, there are varying views, uh, you know, in the group. Um, you know, from my, my point of view, uh, emissions have absolutely no effect on global climate. Other people think that, you know, there's an effect, but it's insignificant or uh, that, you know, any effect is not going to be adverse. So, you know, there's a range of views, but the common element is that there's no climate crisis. So basically, what are these scientists and, and those experts, including yourself, calling for in this declaration? Well, they're calling for an end to what I refer to as climate idiocy, this sort of mindless, uh, lurch to end the use of fossil fuels, to, uh, you know, rely on uh, so-called green energy, which is not really green, like I'm talking about wind turbines and solar panels and, uh, you know, EVs, that kind of stuff, um, which really is only making us uh, depend economically dependent on China and raising energy costs at home. So, you know, we're, we're uh, the Chinese are profiting off us and, and making us more dependent on them. Um, so, you know, let's, uh, you know, the, the, the environment has become a, um, a battlefield for, for politics, really. It's, you know, an extremely polarized field now. I've been working on environmental issues for 33 years. And in that time, um, I've seen nothing but, you know, I call it junk science, bad science used to advance this left-wing political agenda. And so climate... Um, you know, when I first started out working on environmental issues, there were a host of environmental issues that uh, that environmentalists worked on. But you know, over the last uh, 20 years or so, it's all been consolidated <laughs> to climate. They've forgotten about everything else they were ever worried about. Uh, you know, air air quality, water quality, waste management, that kind of stuff. Everything is now climate. So, and and it's because. You know, through climate has been their most successful scare ever, uh, and they think that they can really advance their social and political agenda through it. I was just going to ask you that. How much of this has to do with control? Because a big push, and I'm from the auto state of Michigan, so, of course, electric vehicles and all of that. Mm -hmm. And people don't look at the full story with EVs, though, in terms of what has to happen, not only to build them, but also what do you do with, with the batteries? Yeah, well, it, it's all about control. I wrote a book about this. 14 years ago when Obama became president. It's called Green Hell, How Environmentalists Plan to Control Your Life and What You Can Do to Stop It. Um, and, it, it, you know, this is about, they want to tell us what kind of energy we can use, what kind of cars we can drive, what kind of homes we can live in, what kind of light bulbs we can have, what kind of, uh, you know, toilets we can have, toilet paper, food, just everything. I mean, there's no part of your life. All you got to do is, you know, watch, watch TV, read the newspaper, uh, they tell you they want to tell you what to do in every aspect of your life. You know, not to have children, 
Um, it's very much an anti-people movement. You know, we have fossil fuels have taken us from less than a billion people on the planet, pre-industrial, to now more than eight billion. And um, you know, the climate agenda is really to cut that back, cut global population back to less than two billion. <clears throat> um, it's not, you know, we have plenty of resources. We can feed more than eight billion. You know, we're going to have hopefully 11 billion people uh, on the planet sometime later this century. Uh, we have plenty of resources and technology and wealth to feed all those people, and, and, uh, but, but the Greens don't want that. Where do you think this all began in terms of, I mean, there has to be a balance, right? I mean, in terms of concern for the environment and for nature, there, we have to have a balance with that. And church teaching is, is very clear from a Catholic perspective. But also, it just seems just like everything else to just have gotten out of control recently. Well, uh, of course, I mean, there has to be a balance, but we already have that balance. As a matter of fact, I mean, since I, I've, been, I, I've been working on these issues since 1990. And, you know, before 1970, yeah, the air wasn't as clean as it could be and the rivers caught on fire. But over, you know, between 1970 and 1990, all those issues were cleaned up. All the toxic waste sites were cleaned up. Um, you know, er everything was, we had basically taken care of the environmental problem. But then in 1990, you know, the Berlin Wall came down, and all these left-wing anti-war activists had nothing to do. So they all, you know, folded into the environment, into the climate, and they learned that, oh, wow, this is something, this is a horse we can ride to advance our agenda, and that's, that's what's been going on. We, you know, we all breathe the same air, drink the same water. Um, normal people want a clean environment, and we have that. Fossil fuels have made our environment clean. Um, you know, if you want to see dirty environment, go to places that are poor. Fossil fuels have made us wealthy. Wealthy people keep their environment clean. Um, it, you know, there's this notion that fossil fuels are, are dirty and are dirtying our environment is truly insane. But there, I'm sure there are still areas where we can improve. Everything can't be, you know, la-la land and perfect as far as the environment is concerned. There's still work well, to be done. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, the truth, truth be told, you know, even as bad as U.S. air was, uh, you could be in the 50s, 60s, and early 70s, it was really more of an aesthetic problem than a public health problem. So, yeah, I mean, you can, you can clean up things as much as you want. Uh, you can make them, you know, quote-unquote pristine, but the question is, how much money are you willing to spend on that? And, and what is that? Are you taking away money from other actual problems? Yeah, uh, so, so it's a question of balance. Um, you know, our environment is clean. We have, I mean, incredibly 8 billion people on this planet. Um, obviously, if it was unhealthy, um, how would the planet, you know, carry all those people? Uh, the planet is greener now than ever before because of the slight warming that's been going on for hundreds of years. <laughs> Um, plus the ex, you know extra CO2 emissions, which are you know plant food. Um, there, there's really no downside to fossil fuels, and you know the other the other side of the coin is that nothing in our society, nothing at all, is possible without fossil fuels. There's just look around you, think about your daily lives. Um, there's nothing that can be done without fossil fuels. Nothing. I'm looking at this quote, and we're going to take a break, and you can respond to it when we come back. This is from the, the letter that was signed by a 1600, plus you, you were in one of the, those who signed it. To believe the outcome of a climate model is to believe what the model makers have put in it. This is precisely the problem of today's climate discussion, to which climate models are central. Climate science has degenerated into discussion based on beliefs, not on sound self-critical science. We'll talk more about that when we come back. It is a Wednesday morning edition of Catholic Connection Coast to Coast, and we're talking with Steve Malloy, 
He's a senior fellow at the Energy and Environmental Legal Institute. You can also find him at his website, junkscience.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to be hearing a lot more about the environment as the Pope prepares to release a follow-up to La Dotsay C, scheduled to come out in October on the Feast of St. Francis. We're talking to Steve Malloy, Senior Fellow of the Energy and Environmental Legal Institute, one of those who signed this declaration, some 1,600-plus scientists from around the world, including the U.S., signing this, saying that there isn't a climate emergency and that much of the discussion in the media is not only hype, but it's also political. What has been the reaction, first of all, Stephen, thanks again for joining us, to this letter that was signed, this statement, by 1,600-plus experts in this area? I mean, this is there's some pretty uh, big hitters on, on this list who signed it. Well, sure, and, and probably number one on the list is the uh, Nobel Prize Gloria, winner from yeah. 2022 mm-hmm. in physics. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement. Uh, well, you know, the reaction has been, uh, you know, conservative programs are, are, are very interested, uh, and, but the mainstream media, which is bent on promoting, um, I would call it climate idiocy, uh, they're, just, they're just ignoring it. And, uh, you know, they like to go with their, uh, the myth of the 97% consensus, which is not true. Um, and so that, that's how it is. So where, where can we go with this in terms of those who are interested in finding more out about uh, the issues behind this? Because there is, and I have a media background, so I'm certainly aware that there's a lot of hype and there are certain issues that the media are going to promote yeah. and agendas that they support. I mean, that's just, the research shows that. There's no ifs, ends, or buts yeah. about that. So well, what, uh, where, where, do we get, where do we get our information, then, would you recommend on this topic? Uh, well, you know, thanks to the fact that uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter, uh, Twitter is now sort of a free speech zone. And if you're interested, you know, you, uh, listeners can follow me on Twitter at Junk Science. I do a, a daily climate uh, wrap up. I point to other climate, um, uh, you know, accounts that uh, uh, focus on climate. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of information out there. All you got to do is, you know, try, and 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 you'll get the other point of view in there. You know, there is another point of view. We can't can't just fall for the, you know, mainstream media uh, propaganda that's out there. Um, I want to look at this quote that I mentioned before the break. To believe the outcome of a climate model is to believe what the model makers have put yeah. in. This is precisely the problem of today's climate discussion, to which climate models are central. Climate yeah. science has degenerated into a discussion based on beliefs, not on sound self-critical science. Yeah. Should we not free ourselves from the naive belief in an immature climate model? Your response yeah. to that statement. So all climate models are based on the assumption that carbon dioxide emissions drive climate. Uh, now, I'll let you judge for yourself whether that's true. Uh, since 2015, uh, humanity has emitted about 500 billion tons of carbon dioxide, uh, yet there has been no global warming. So, you know, we are told that every emission warms the planet, but that is obviously not true. And, in fact, what has been happening is since about 1980, there has been a series of El Ninos. And every time there's an El Nino, we're in an El Nino year right now, uh, the El Nino bumps up average global temperature. Uh, so so that's, that's really what's been happening. It's, you know, really natural factors driving weather and climate. It's not emissions. I don't think emissions have any effect at all. So when you build a model that's based on 
emissions, you know, causing everything, you know, that's what the model is going to produce, right? Well, you mentioned the Nobel Prize winners, and the physicist John Francis is mentioning in, in this uh, letter that you signed just what you just brought up in terms of the natural process that's going on, right? Yeah, uh, John Clauser, uh, he's, he's the Nobel Prize winner. Uh, yeah, he, he calls the whole all climate a technocon. He says that the IPCC, which is the UN climate group, is you know, the worst sort of misinformation, uh, which, which is true. Um, I, you know, in my own personal experience in this, you know, this is not just because I've, you know, you know, read the Clintel statement and agree with it. I've been mean, doing this for more than 30 years. I have yet to see environmentalists tell the truth about anything. Everything, if they if they want to do something, they turn it into uh, a catastrophe, alarm, uh, the end of the world, and that's exactly what they've done with climate and weather. Anytime there is a bad event, um, they turn it into the end of the world. Yeah. and try to tie it back to climate. So in terms of, of what we're expecting, the Pope is, is expected to release a follow-up to his environmental encyclical, Laudate Si, coming up in October on the Feast of St. Francis. Uh, how would you advise Catholics? Because obviously this is an issue on which we can agree or disagree in, in terms yeah. of the Pope. We are, as Catholics, called to uh, follow, obviously, from the chair of Peter with issues of faith and morals, that we can disagree on topics that are not intrinsic evil or not, not dogmatic. Uh, yeah. So this is something that we can we can look at and, and possibly disagree with or agree with. What do you think? I mean, what are you expecting? Uh, wh- what kind of impact do you think this could have either way in this in this discussion? Okay, so Pope Francis issued one of these in 2015. This is a uh, you know, climate encyclical. Um, you know, he really doesn't know much about climate science, uh, and, and so it, it really wasn't very informative. Um, I would just remind people that as a liberation theology background, climate is very much a left-wing political agenda. And so I can't help but think that, you know, the next encyclical is going to be the same. It's going to have not very good information, and it's coming from this left-wing perspective. So are you concerned about it then, the impact this could have? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't think his last encyclical had much impact. I mean, I know that a lot of news coverage. Okay, it sounds like your phone's breaking up, Steve. I think we're uh, I think we're losing you, so we're going to let you go. I apologize. You're, you're breaking up really badly. Uh, we've been discussing this issue uh, in light of the fact that the Pope is going to be issuing another document, another uh, follow-up to his Laudate Encyclical. That's coming out on October on October 4th, the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. So sorry about that, folks, but the phone broke up at the last minute. We've been discussing this with Steve Malloy who is one of the signers of this declaration, more than 1,600 scientists worldwide, including two Nobel Prize winners, signed a declaration stating there is no climate emergency. Not to say we shouldn't be concerned about this issue, but again, this is to say that we need... Oh, Steve, are you there? Okay, good. I was just wrapping up. Sorry about that. We couldn't hear you. I didn't want to uh, miss what you were saying. All right, so wrap this up for us in terms of how... Uh, the average layperson, I mean, when you're talking to a predominantly Catholic audience, with this document coming out, how do we look at this, do you think? Well, I, climate is a, is a science issue, so I think you, you need to listen to a scientist about it. Um, you know, religious leaders, politicians, journalists, uh, everyone's got an agenda. Uh, scientists have agendas, too, but I think that it behooves everyone to get all the facts uh, before they make up their minds. Don't just listen to people and... and uh, you know, uh, trust people just because they're, you know, religious leaders or political leaders or whatever. I mean, the facts matter. Yeah. 
It does, and I think we also have to remember the issues about which we're discussing in terms of we as, as faithful Catholics, uh, where we fall on these issues. This one of uh, the environment, uh, the church has a lot to say about it, but as well in terms of climate change, that's something about which we can disagree. Steve, thanks so much, and you signed. All right, Teresa, thank you. Uh, yep. Yeah, have a great day, along with 1,600 scientists worldwide including two Nobel Prize winners, a declaration stating there is no climate emergency. We'll be discussing this more as we get closer to the release of the Pope's next encyclical. And also, Joan's going to be talking about this as well. Again, doesn't mean that, obviously, we don't look at what the Holy Father says. He is the Pope. He is a vicar of Christ. He sits on the chair of Peter. But there are issues about which we can disagree or agree. Not when it comes to faith and morals, not when it comes to intrinsic evils, but an issue like this, on the environment, we look to the church, looking at everything through the lens of scripture and the teachings of the church, but also doing our homework and getting all the information, as Steve said, including this letter signed by 1,600 scientists. Also on that list of scientists, as we mentioned, two Nobel Prize winners. We'll also discuss this, by the way, with President Biden. We'll be right back. Wrapping up a Wednesday, great to have Joan Lewis back after a wonderful and hopefully restful vacation and then never a dull moment right back into the busyness of uh, your work as a journalist covering the Vatican in Rome. And so there's a lot of talk here in the States, Joan, about the Pope and now the Vatican did come out and walk back some of the comments he made regarding Russia when he was speaking to some Russian students. So give us a background on that story and, and what's happened since. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, well, actually, it was the National Meeting of, of Young Catholics in Russia, and that was on August 25th, so five days ago. And um, there was a video for about an hour with the Pope interacting with the, uh, with, with the young students. And um, originally, of course, the OEC press office, well, they said in yesterday's story, walking back, what the Pope said, to, said off the cuff. The Pope's intention was to encourage young people to preserve and promote what is positive in the great Russian cultural and spiritual heritage. Now, of course, if only the Pope himself had used those words. And it was, the written transcript really is quite lovely. You have the Pope's inviting the, the young Russians to be sowers, to sow seeds of reconciliation, tiny seeds in this winter of war as a, uh, that will not germinate for uh, on frozen ground, but in a future spring will flourish. Then, Teresa, you know, his improv- improvisation, never forget your heritage. You're the heirs of great Russia, the rush of saints, leaders, the rush of Peter I, Catherine II. Well, the problem, oh, he says his great empire. Um, and I'm sure that in his own mind, those were wonderfully happy, enlightening words. But there was just a little problem. Of course, they irritated people in Russia, ir- irritated um, people in U- mostly in Ukraine, and um, you had his beatitude, uh, Shevchuk, the major archbishop of the Ukrainian church, coming back on this, and the nunciator in Ukraine, which, by the way, has remained in Kiev since the start of the Russian offensive. Um, the nunciator said, assured us that Pope Francis, quote, is a fervent opponent and critic of any form of imperialism or colonialism, whatever the people or situation. So 
Uh, Tracy, you and I know we've covered this papacy and mm-hmm. spoken about it once a week for, for 10 years. Uh, and, and many of our listeners will, will probably know, if also from what they've read. It, it's unfortunate that so often, Teresa, when the Holy Father speaks off the cuff, that's when we have an improvisation that just might not correspond to history or to church teaching um, or, or puts a, a spin, uh, that's probably not the right word, but anyway, uh, puts an emphasis um, on something that should be seen in a totally different light. So um, there have been many other times, and again, you and I have discussed this probably a couple times a year, when the Holy Father, having gone off the cuff, might have said something that was questionable, but the Vatican very rarely, if ever, um, uh, you know, backtracks on the thing. And so it was very unusual yesterday yeah. when they came out with the text um, on the Vatican News story. And interestingly enough, Teresa, if you go to the front map to vaticannews.va today, yeah. click, click on Pope, all the news stories. Yep, yep. Yesterday's... Retraction doesn't appear there. It, it, you have to go into the word Vatican news. So I, I think that is a very careful but unhappy moving of a, of a news story. So, but I mean, it's news in itself that the Vatican had to react and, excuse me, react and, and, you know, walk back um, some of the Pope's words. And, yeah. and, and the most important thing, we've had a year and a half now of this war of Russia invading a sovereign nation and the two of them at war ever since then, February of last year. And so to highlight past Russians who made, for example, one and a, a Russian leaders who made one and a half million Catholics, Roman Catholics, become Orthodox. Um, have they, did they kill people in great numbers? Yes. So kind of speaking off the, off the cuff about something he really didn't want to say, it just didn't work out for the Pope. You know? Why do you think they, they, they walked this one back? There have been so many other times in addition to this, which I'm glad they did this time, but why do you think this particular story forced them to walk it back? Well, that, that's hard to say, except I just have a couple of ideas. One, of course, the Pope himself, Francis, with all of his travels, there's two places in the world he really wants to visit, one of which, of course, is Russia, the other is China. He wants to visit Russia right now in the context of the war of its, um, you know, of its war having invaded Ukraine. But um, also, and I don't know if this is part of it, but the Holy Father leaves tomorrow arriving Mongolia. September 1st yeah. mm-hmm. for Mongolia. And Mongolia is bordered by China and Russia. Mongolia has a very interesting situation, uh, geopolitically and even diplomatically. But uh, I'm wondering when the Pope speaks on his arrival, he's going to speak, as he always does, to the civil authorities of the nation. And there will also be the diplomatic corps present, especially diplomatic corps in Mongolia, you're going to have China and Russia and North Korea very, very interested in, in what the Pope says. So is there some aspect of the papal trip, or is there a whole aspect that we're just not hearing about from the Vatican, of the papal trip that is looking geopolitically and diplomatically at, at this trip? So 
Is he trying to soften things up for Russia if he wants to, you know, try and manage something uh, geopolitically and diplomatically positive uh, with Russia? That would be uh, my only guess at this point. But I, I think there's been so much negative reaction, especially from people right. from religious leaders, that I think the Vatican just a, a little uh, piece of common sense said, you know, maybe we have to further explain this. And and so they did. But it, it kind of makes you wonder, because you just asked the question in an interesting way, mm. how come they walked this back and usually don't do that when there's misunderstandings? So, yeah. Um, uh, not not for you and I to know, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I just think yeah. it's it's super important because what happens so yeah. often is is not only is there confusion within the church, but but most people and we know this, Joan. Unfortunately, people are very busy, and oftentimes they don't take the time to go beyond the tweet. Used to be, we would say when yeah. I was in journalism school and in early years of my career, you know, some forty plus years ago, that people wouldn't go on beyond go beyond the lead paragraph. Now they don't go beyond barely the headline, and so they're getting these these instantaneous impressions that form and these ideas, and unfortunately, sure. it causes a lot of a lot of confusion. Well, and Teresa, also whether it's a tweet or Facebook or something else. Uh, people trust people that they don't even know. Right. And um, they know you and me, and they know others um, in, in the Catholic media. But then somebody who professes to be, you know, a conservative, traditional Catholic, says something in a tweet or, or a Facebook page, and uh, the reader kind of takes it at uh, gospel value. So um, my mom said once, when she said, Joan, how many, why is it that so many people treat the news media as uh, news stories in local news, as the gospel, but they don't treat the gospel as gospel. <laughs> oh, that's okay, great. <laughs> oh, I know. She was absolutely spot on. It sounds like something my mother would say, right? That common sense. Common yeah, sense exactly. isn't so, yeah, it's common sense isn't so common anymore, right? No, that's the whole thing. It's, it's missing in society, and uh, we we got to get back to common sense, the ability to reason, the logic, and so forth, and so, well, the other thing, I, I just wanted to get back to another story. This happened while you were on vacation. I'm sure you saw it because I know, you know like most people who, who do what we do, we still keep in touch and see what's happening in the world uh, while we're traveling oftentimes. But the story where the Holy Father on the way back from, or maybe you were already with us. I think maybe you hadn't left yet. Remember uh, after he came back from World Youth Day, it was on the way home, and he was talking about being inclusive, but he said there are rules. I think we did talk about this. Now the yeah, media eliminated the part where he said there are. So it's happening on both sides here in terms of the issues, right? Uh, because the in media work, will... It's called right. context. Right, yes. right. Absolutely. So, you know, but anyway, let's, uh, it'll be very interesting, Teresa. As you know, I think there's probably journalists, I might be one of them if I ever was on a paper plane. Um, the journalists will cover the trip to Mongolia, and then, of course, they come, he'll be back in, in town, the Pope and journalists, on the 4th of September. But um, it'll be very interesting to see what he says in the by now traditional press conference in the plane on the way back from a trip. And um, I think that some form of diplomatic geopolitical question is going to be asked about, you know, any remarks that he makes in Mongolia. We're going to know those in two days. So uh, that will be interesting to follow as well. But um, 
You know, then the funny thing is you've got something like this, this these off-the-cuff remarks. Then you have a wonderful Wednesday audience. Right, exactly. <laughs> the, the Pope is talking about in beautiful, you know, indisputable terms about Atarita Kawisa being one of the remarkable example saints in our church who exemplified apostolic zeal, the focus of, of his catechesis. And I do have to tell you, I met in the most serendipitous encounter at La Vittoria restaurant Deacon Andy Orozco of the um, Diocese of San Bernardino. He is a Native American. He has Native American. I know you've met Andy and his wife, Roseanne. Yes, He's a yes. Native American. Mm-hmm. They were at World Youth Day. They've been to the Holy Land. What they've done in the last month is incredible. We meet and we end up talking at length at La Vittoria. I heard his story as a Native American deacon in the church, and that's his entire mission. He's He works in the ministry for Native Americans uh, within the diocese. And so, anyway, here we are. uh, I interviewed him for radio today, talked about the, you know, Indian, uh, the Native Indians, and uh, first bearers of our religion, so many other things. But when he came to my house for the interview, he had this beatific look on his face. Here he is, a Native, you know, um, American. And today the focus was on Katari Tekovita. Wow. He and his wife just looked, they looked at each other and they practically, you know, uh, burst into tears. So, um, then that's a moment that you know that uh, the Lord has willed the encounter that we had um, o- over dinner. And then just to have something happen like Pope Francis speak about a Native American saint in the presence of a Na- Native American, you know, uh, uh, deacon. So. Um, I think at one point they mentioned that they had met you and Dominic yes. at some kind yeah. of a meeting. So, yeah, I think it was. It wasn't it during the um, the convocation that was in Italy when we in Rome the Jubilee that they had for the deacons. I'm thinking that might have been it. Oh, another event. Maybe. Oh, I know when it was. I think it was um, maybe Dominic and I were speakers at the uh, convocation in New Orleans a few years ago, the national event for deacons. Orleans, that's what exactly. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, my dear, I can't believe it, but our time is almost, it's 52 minutes past the hour. I just looked at the clock. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Well, next, next week, there's always stuff to cover, and obviously, I think I can predict that next week we'll be talking about the papal remarks when he gets back from Mongolia. Yeah, we always we always we always talk about the press conference, which yeah. seems to be on the plane, which seems to be sometimes more interesting than what happens at the actual trips that he takes. Joan, thank you so much. Glad you're back, safe and sound, and look forward to uh, seeing you, God willing, uh, very soon when we have back to back trips, uh, pilgrimages in Italy coming up in October and November. First with the wine group with Kelly, which you're a part of, and then our, then our uh, group in November. Joan Lewis, of course, you can be found at Joan's Rome at WordPress.com. She's also an amazing photographer, so make sure you check out her great work because she really gives you an inside look at her Rome, Jones Rome. We'll be right back on a Wednesday morning. Let you know what's coming up on a Thursday. Stay tuned. You're listening to EWTN. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. If you're an optimistic Catholic, will you live longer? I'm Chuck Adica, and this is Journey Strong. 
My wife Susan and I recently lost a dear friend who almost made it to age 99. Varied studies suggest that we may have a better chance of living to near 100 if we are both emotionally aware and hold a positive attitude about life. Being optimistic is a Catholic thing, or it should be. We hold views that include man and God prevailing over darkness and evil, and all human life being highly valued and unique all positive. But we need more than worldly optimism. We need true theological hope. The Catechism states, Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Now that's hope. For more on this, look to the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Can't believe we're coming into a Thursday already tomorrow. This week is flying by the last week of August. So on Thursdays, we highlight the wisdom and the insight and the encouragement of an amazing priest, one of our superstars here at EWTN, Father Mitch Pacwa, a superstar for Jesus and the Church. And tomorrow, I think we're going to take a look at the life issues and the extremism now that is really coming out right before the election. We're getting into an election year. And very interesting pushback from the media trying to protect pro-abortion politicians, claiming that, oh, we don't believe in abortion up to birth, really. Let's look at the record, shall we? And then there's also a new campaign from the Biden administration calling pro-lifers extreme. Yeah, a new ad campaign that's launching. Uh, Catholic News Agency had the story this week. We'll discuss with Father Mitch. So join us, won't you, on a Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. Adomani. Talk to you tomorrow. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.